Hey everyone, just wanted to thank you for listening to Definitely Doomed, the episode by episode Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Also wanted to remind you that each episode of the podcast is a breakdown of each episode of the show, and therefore we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. I'm just saying, it doesn't make any sense. He, he started in the Matrix, but he never left town. And how did he graduate from med school? He's only 18 years old. Effective time management? I'm sorry, Buffy, but I, I just don't understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, when is Jonathan going to get here and start the meeting? This is the meeting. This is the meeting? Hey everyone, it's another episode of Definitely Doomed, the episode-by-episode podcast breakdown of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that will in all likelihood take you longer to listen to than it would just to watch the show. Those are the words I say, probably not in the order I normally say them. (laughs) This is Ruben, and uh, joining me in that quest on the other line, his name is Basil. Yeah. I like how you hesitated between saying the uh, name of the show like you were like, which show is this the podcast <laughs> that I do for? It was actually because I was like, okay, episode by episode, breakdown, Buffy, those are all in there. But what order are they? Right. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> episode by episode, breakdown of Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Yeah, I think episode you usually by say episode, Buffy the Vampire breakdown Slayer. Breakdown podcast. Yeah. Of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Podcast breakdown. <laughs> Break it down. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this, but how are you doing today, Basil? Alright. <laughs> I think conversation I'm, off mic. <laughs> I think uh, I am doing the same. Alright. Like okay. when people ask you how you're doing, and then you pause for a long time, and you're like, "Fine, I guess," because <laughs> <laughs> you don't really know them that well, right? <laughs> Tempted to be honest, but <laughs> nah. Speaking of dishonesty, today yeah. we're going to be discussing a uh, superstar. And um, it is your turn to give us the old plot description. All right. So uh, the episode opens with um, classic Buffy and the Scoobies fighting some vampires. And then uh, one of them gets away and uh, they chase it down to a crypt where there's a big um, vampire den. And so they decide, oh, we better make a plan to deal with this. We can't take them all on. And so they call in some backup in the name of Jonathan, which is basically uh, the reveal that uh, Jonathan has cast a spell of some sort to make himself the coolest person in Sunnydale. And so uh, instead of Buffy being the lead, Jonathan is kind of the lead and it, uh, follows various uh, scenes of Jonathan really giving some good friend advice, killing a bunch of vampires really effectively, having some cool posters of himself all over town, and uh, Buffy feeling pretty insecure about her place as the Slayer. But then um, some women start getting attacked by a really gross hairy demon thing. And it turns out that, uh, sort of, like, the dark half or something, uh, in order for Jonathan to be that good, there has to be, uh, all the really bad parts of his personality manifested into one demon thing. So, uh, Buffy kind of slowly figures out that something's going wrong, that when, uh, Jonathan doesn't want them to help hunt down the demon and uh it takes a really long time to get everyone else on board because they're under the spell uh but 
once they do, Jonathan finally starts feeling guilty and helps her fight the demon, and she throws it into a pit, and everything kind of goes back to normal, uh, but with everyone feeling sort of sad about it. Um, the sort of B and C storylines are Buffy and Riley still have to deal with their, uh, the fact that he they fall out. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and then oh, Adam, double F. Adam's still sort of hanging around, uh, immune to the spell, talking about how it's nonsense, but it's causing chaos and he likes chaos. And that's pretty much it. What do you think of this episode? Uh, I gave it a B minus. I feel like that's at least partially based on knowing that, like, if this was my first time watching it, that I would have laughed more than I watched than I did watching it this time. Because I do think that a lot of the jokes are pretty solid, although I now haven't watched it like seven or eight times, right. unlike some other jokes. I feel like these don't have that kind of staying power because they're so based on, I don't know, that surprise, I guess. Right. Um, and then there are other things about the episode that I guess ended up really bothering me, although I'll leave that uh, for the main discussion. Cool. I'm, I'm curious to hear them. I enjoy this episode. Um, I think that I agree it's all basically the same joke, but I think that they pulled in enough like weird, funny callbacks and small details that I didn't notice, like the fact that uh, Riley's gross balls poster is replaced by a Jonathan one, and um, that during the final fight thing, uh, Jonathan does like the flippy thing that Buffy always does to get up. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that I still... Yeah, I think um, Jane Espenson is really good at small details. This mm-hmm. is a Jane Espenson pinned episode. Yeah, I wrote that down too. Yeah, she's good at uh, funny background stuff or small things. And, um, yeah. I like the funny fake Mission Impossible music that plays throughout the episode as well. <laughs> Um, speaking of small things, I like how at the very first scene, even though, uh, like, there's other things about the way that it's shot and acted that hint that maybe this isn't your typical Buffy episode, that you know that something strange is going on when Willow throws Buffy the stake, and she stakes the vampire, kind of like... Awkwardly. (laughs) Yeah, like, she doesn't know how to, like, it's like underhanded or something, it's like how we see, um, like other unskilled people stake vampires on occasion. Right. And uh, it's like this little tip-off right at the beginning that uh, things are different. Um, and unless you have... And also, uh, I guess, historical note, Anya is now fighting mm-hmm. vampires with them. It's true. First time. Way to go. And um, providing her typical Anya support. Saying things like, they'll suck your heart out through your neck. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, I like the Charlie's Angels reference that opens the other thing. Where they all walk up to, like, the big desk and then he spins yeah, around. Yeah, I love that shot. <laughs> the shot of them walking up to their desk is... And it's shot with like a wide angle lens or something like that to make it look really, I don't know, goofy. Uh huh. And super huge. It's the big old mansion. <laughs> um, the credits, as always, are great. Yeah. I, I never don't love these credits, <laughs> which, uh, if you aren't watching along with us are basically the normal credits except for every time that it's not the sequence for the main actors it cuts to shots of Jonathan doing stuff Um, like diffusing a bomb (laughs) or like crawling around in the sewers with a gun (laughs) 
or walking in slow motion in a very like angel-esque thing where there's like smoke behind him and he has a jacket and stuff yep um and then we get uh we cut to the gang now including Jonathan all gathered at Giles place to prep for this vampire gin and uh Xander is practicing his stake quick draw, yep. and uh, he but he will not try to open the milk carton because when he does, he tears it and it gets all sloshy. <laughs> I do that with cereal every time. I can't open the plastic cereal bags without like <laughs> <laughs> making a weird big hole and spilling some cereal. It's a rough gig opening yep. things. It's true. Capri Suns are the, I believe, worst defender. Everyone agrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a friend in, uh, like, elementary school who just punctured the bottom of them. I was like, this is way easier. <laughs> so I did it like that every time. I knew I was just going to drink it without ever setting it down. Yeah, that's the only issue. Is this yeah. means you can't stop drinking. <laughs> but, <laughs> but who you would want to, to hold it with Capri Sun? <laughs> I like to mix my food and my drink up, like food, drink, food, drink, food, drink. Fair. <laughs> um, I was just making a joke because Capri Suns are pretty gross. <laughs> <laughs> What about ecto coolers, which I believe are being reintroduced for the all lady Ghostbusters? I don't know if I ever had one. Um, more fun details uh, as Jonathan is walking by to look at the computer. He he pauses to look at the chess game that he and Giles are playing, and he's like, "The news of which defense, very good, but uh, making four moves and." Um, I also like the the small touch that he's really familiar with them. I think he calls him Rupert. Like, yeah. you almost got <laughs> me there, Rupert. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. And then he out hacks Willow. Yeah. He's hacked into the mainframe to get the plans for the crypt, which feels like a nice joke on the show itself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. I also think it's really funny when they go to the graveyard to kill them. There's paparazzi there. Yep. <laughs> um. And that the the crypt somehow has like a stained glass window to jump through. Like <laughs> people are just burying themselves in mausoleums. <laughs> with. <laughs> we knocked them dead, which they already were. We knocked him deader. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anya providing the helpful support that she always does, saying that if they had all rushed Buffy at once, they could have killed her (laughs) before Jonathan could have done anything. She's like, that won't keep me up at night. Jonathan's like, don't worry. Vampires only uh, join in groups to to feed. They mostly like to hang out in the shadows, all lonely and creepy-like. Right, Spike? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, unlike Adam, which feels, uh, you know, sort of just pushed into this episode in order to continue the Adam storyline for some reason, because he literally does nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he just sits at a computer. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like Spike being pushed into this episode is like intentional in like a funny way and that they're drawing attention to the fact that he didn't really have a purpose in this episode. Right. Just some Marster's humor. Being rude to Buffy. Back off Betty. <laughs> My name's Buffy, you big bleached stupid guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wrote down Jonathan either beard or board, but I don't know about what. Maybe it's Jonathan billboard, but I also wrote that down later. Maybe there's just lots of Jonathan billboards. Oh, it's probably because uh, 
the next scene is Willow bragging about uh, their fight and how good Jonathan's doing to Tara, and then they're like doing some kind of crafty thing, and the joke. Oh yeah, shot. the Jonathan board. Yeah, it's like a big <laughs> shrine to Jonathan that they're working on. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, and then I wrote down Riley cheesecake. Yeah, no sure. <laughs> And uh, Jonathan Poster, which uh, you already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and Riley is no longer eating the initiative food and uh, wondering if there's going to be a flowers for Algernon thing going on. Now that that would be pretty scary. Off, off the drugs. Yeah. I mean, there was a time before he was in the initiative. Hopefully he remembers it and can think that he'll go back to being like that Riley. Yeah. Like when he was 20 or 19. It's true. Um, I've always talked about mm, Oh, Oh, I was just going to say. Yeah, go ahead. That uh, if she wanted to, like, for her to make money, Buffy could be like a star athlete, but apparently she can't shoot a basketball. But I wrote down, she may not be able to shoot, but I bet she could dunk like nobody's business. That's true. (laughs) She'd be real good on defense. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's pretty short, though. Yeah, but she can jump like eight feet in the air. <laughs> That's true. No, I just mean like you know, like the Flash. She couldn't overdo it. Or yeah. Too obvious. <laughs> yeah. True. She'd probably be able to fit in better in baseball. It's true. Just hit the ball really hard. Yeah. (laughs) And she could run, you know, above average speed, but not superhuman speed to catch fly balls and stuff like that. It's true. (laughs) Probably couldn't stay in Sunnydale, though. I bet Sunnydale doesn't have a pro sports team. (laughs) Los Angeles has several, though. That's true. What were you going to say about this scene? Oh, um... No, I think we just kind of got to it that, like, the the beginning of her sort of, uh, insecurity where she doesn't know what to do. She's, like, sort of the slayer, but not really a great slayer. <laughs> but she's also not good at anything else, apparently. Yeah. Kind of a repetition of season three, though. Like, yeah. being uncomfortable not being the one. Right. <laughs> but played for laughs this time instead of... Yeah. Sad. <laughs> um, speaking of laughs, when it cuts to Bobby preparing the coffee, and you think it's for herself, and then she hands it to Jonathan. That's one of the funniest moments in the entire episode to me. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I actually only noticed that she put honey and then sugar in the coffee. <laughs> yeah, she's like putting whatever in the coffee, and then she's stirring it, and then it cuts to Jonathan, and then she hands it to me. <laughs> Honey and sugar in your coffee is gross, by the way. If you're yeah, a listener who does that, stop one listening or the other. to this. <laughs> <laughs> Not both. Uh, you have this amazing connection, but he doesn't see you looking back. Even though you want to blame Faith, you're really upset at Riley. Yeah. Understandable, even though nonsensical, as she points out. Right. Her delivery of the line when she's like, um, you can't expect someone to be like, hey, that's not your body. <laughs> Get out of that body with your <laughs> hands up. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. <laughs> Pretty awesome. But also, um, I mean, he makes a good point that at least, uh, sort of socially people are conditioned to think that they're more than just like a collection of mannerisms and things like that that like 
there is something like behind somebody's eyes that you can recognize and that you know when Jonathan talks about how she wanted him to look faith in the eyes and see something was wrong and like not do it uh, it's understandable that she felt that way because we're kind of conditioned to feel that way it's true and which sad. is why invasion of the body snatchers is so scary because it really preys on that <laughs> um, then we get Karen with a K the one black person in Sunnydale mm-hmm. uh, shows up to get her book signed by uh, Jonathan yeah and uh, Jonathan says something pithy, I forget what it is, and then he like turns and it cuts to a, a wide shot of like him like making like a pose and then behind him there's a billboard of him doing a different pose that says like just do it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> then we get the initiative talking about it's about time we brought out the big guns. And <laughs> yeah. Jonathan in fatigue with the, like, in. with like the full metal jacket, like mislead, where it's like yeah. the real serious sergeant or whatever, and it's like, you're gonna listen to this guy, <laughs> yeah. Or actually, it's like, it's the full metal jacket mislead, but it's almost an exact copy of a Simpsons joke because this uh, episode where the PTA disbands, uh-huh. uh, and the teachers go on strike. And um, they get substitute teachers, and the substitute teacher for Bart's class, like this guy who's uh, an obvious parody of the Lee R. Army character, like walks in, and he's like, you know, like yelling at everybody, and he's like, "So you're gonna give this teacher your full respect?" <laughs> and then he walks out, and it's Marge, it's the <laughs> substitute teacher. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and they do a repeat of the the short joke where. Steps in and all the initiative is way taller than him, <laughs> just like Buffy was a couple episodes ago. Uranium two thirty five. It's Adam's power source. In case yeah. we were wondering, he doesn't have to eat. It's funny that then, like in a way, all these discoveries that are basically just fake magic end up being helpful later I mean both emotionally like the stuff he says to Buffy but then also like logistically like no one else could have probably figured it out but then magic Jonathan did and now (laughs) everyone else still has that information later (laughs) yep um Riley of course as to be expected in this world, confides in Jonathan. Right. <laughs> not worried about what's going on with Buffy, and uh, he's like, I don't know, like, how to make her understand that, you know, I like only her, and he's like, well, Faith has more experience, and he's like, she thinks I'd be comparing, which, uh, yeah, that would be an understandable worry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> She knows I'm the one that, uh, she knows that she's the one that I want. People can't always see what's right in front of them. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan is wearing a blindfold, (laughs) turns to shoot an apple off a soldier's head. (coughs) And I think my favorite part about that is that the swing music starts before it cuts to the bronze, where the swing music is happening. It's like a punchline to him saying, like, People can't always see what's right in front of them. It's like... (laughs) I think that's really funny. Yeah, I don't know for sure if it is, but I hope that it's... That part of the joke of this episode is that the Swing revival had been over for, like, many years, but maybe Jonathan (laughs) still thinks Swing is cool, so in this episode, (laughs) Swing is cool, because I feel like that was, like, a very, like, you know, 90... 293 to like 96 thing and by like 2001 nobody cared about like oh i don't remember the years i definitely saw cherry pop and daddy's in concert later than 1996 yeah <laughs> for sure 
I mean, everything, every fad like that takes a little while to fully die down, but I feel like by 2001, there was nobody who was like, man, can't wait to see the Mighty Mighty Boston's, who wasn't, like, really into them during that period already. Yeah. I guess, um, the brief period of, like, swing ska got replaced with ska punk, like, because I was thinking in the late 90s, like, Blink-182 and some 41 they were going on or whatever, but I guess they sort of replaced those other bands. Right. Even though they were kind of similar. Right. They all were on the Warp Tour. <laughs> they sure were. <laughs> Which I'm amazed is still going on. Yeah, I mean, they're still 15-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> And uh, if when I was 15, pop punk spoke to me, I imagine other 15-year-old boys feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's more like weird screamo stuff now, but yeah, uh, still. <laughs> uh, Xander and Anya are having a petty argument about how when they were having sex last night or today, whatever, that uh, she said Jonathan's name. And she is, it was a moan. And he is, fine, you moan, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) And then, but then once they see him singing, (laughs) she's like, let's go have sex now. And he's like, yeah. They're both super turned on. Also wants to have sex with Jonathan. (laughs) Um, Fun point of trivia, the... Uh, Jonathan's singing voice is provided by Brad Kane, who uh, played the role of Tucker Wells in The Prom, the guy who sets loose the devil dogs. Oh, funny. Brad Kane also did the singing voice for Aladdin in the movie Aladdin. Nice. (laughs) So if it sounds really similar to A Whole New World, now you know why. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I like how in the context of this like really cheesy jokey scene though that the shot of Buffy and Riley is like very sweet and when she's like no talk more dance I really like that moment yeah drawing once again on the recurring theme of this season that Buffy and Riley work best when they're not talking (laughs) (laughs) it's probably not a good sign for a long term relationship but (laughs) it's working for now (laughs) Um, Karen with a K gets attacked by the monster while peeping on Jonathan's mansion and uh, it shows up at the barrage all messed up and scared and uh, they take her back to the mansion and uh, she describes the monster they draw the symbol that's on his forehead and uh, Jonathan not at all able to contain it. <laughs> He's perturbed by seeing the symbol goes, oh, this is a clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then flips back into cool Jonathan mode and is like, it's not a demon, just a monster, whatever that means. Right. Um, <laughs> sticks to the forest mostly. He probably is probably more scared of you than you were of it. So let's get you home, Karen, with a K. Uh, and then we get that Adam scene, which, uh, I mean, I like, but it's, you know, nothing happens on it. I just, you know, I think the part when the, uh, the vampire is like, uh, you're the evil messiah guy. <laughs> and, like, how serious Adam is, is, like, really enjoyable when, like, he, like, points at the screen and he's like, these are lies. <laughs> it's a chicken, but it's wrong. <laughs> These metrics are corrosive, unstable. They will eventually lead to chaos, and I'm interested in chaos. <laughs> and then, of course, we get my first complaint, which is a uh, running theme in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is that 
When under the spell of magic, people have sex, that's not consent. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in some ways, like this, which is like played for a joke, and I guess sort of my wider complaint about the episode, like, which is played for laughs, becomes the serious thematic underpinning of season six. All right. Like, if you agree with what season six has to say, like, this doesn't seem as funny in retrospect because it's these nerd male fantasies are exactly what directly leads to deep levels of misogyny. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I think I was sort of feeling the episode into that scene and also incest, which like was not hot. Yeah. (laughs) At all. (laughs) It's uncomfortable. Right. Um, And then sort of that scene happens and it was like, I was like, oh yeah, like, I couldn't help but think of the scene in season six where they use the mind control to try to take that one woman who, as a, the, Warren doesn't tell them, but is his ex-girlfriend, and of course it, you know, stops working, and uh, she tells them that it's rape, and Jonathan and Andrew are, like, shocked. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, like... It kind of feels like, in retrospect, that this episode is like someone pointed that out to the creators of the show sometime between season four and season six, and they just like wrote down their own reaction. Yeah. They're like, "Oh yeah, it is rape." <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> that's that's really terrible. And then of course, like, I guess I would be more understanding of like the arc of coming to understand that. If uh, they didn't bring it up in season seven again, mm-hmm. when there's another, I mean, again, this, this time, like, they get out of it by it being accidental magic as opposed to on purpose. Um, but it's still rape. <laughs> yeah. It's really uncomfortable and gross. Yes, we'll get there when we get to season seven. It's true. But, like, B way easier to deal with again if like sex wasn't involved it would still be terrible if it was just like making out or whatever but Mm -hmm. they decide to go to sex and that and that just it makes it unable for me to swallow sure (laughs) it's understandable (laughs) anyways Moving on to the next scene, Tara, Willow, and Buffy are walking around campus, and Tara breaks off to go back to her dorm room, and she's like, well, I'll see you tomorrow, and they have, like, a soft, like, hand graze Mm. (laughs) moment where she leaves, and I was like, man, Buffy is clueless. Yep. (laughs) I mean... I also was because I don't think that I noticed that like the first couple of times that I watched it that like there are all these hints you know pretty overt hints of what's coming for sure between them but I was like <laughs> Buffy this is your best friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do like the joke about how in the, in this world Buffy gave the class protector award to Jonathan instead <laughs> of the other way around. <laughs> yeah. It's really sad. Then, <laughs> Comedically undermining my favorite moment in the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Tara gets attacked. And when uh, Buffy comes to see Tara in the morning after Will calls her about what happened, uh, Tara again draws the mark 
and Buffy realizes that Jonathan either was lying or ignorant, mm-hmm. neither of which, uh, you know, meshes with the world in which they live in. Right. And uh, since Buffy is, of course, a very good detective, then she goes to Anya to talk about uh, her past as a vengeance demon and how if someone wished something, would it change the whole world? Mm -hmm. And would people remember what the old world used to be like? Um, (laughs) Something that I noticed about the scene, although that I... I don't super have a reason why. Maybe it's because she's dealing with all these issues with Riley, not knowing who she was. And uh, Faith is that she's wearing like her more Faith-like outfits, like she's wearing like a leopard print oh, uh-huh. jacket <laughs> with like a tight shirt underneath. <laughs> Maybe it's like a subconscious insecure response trying to sexy it up to compete yeah that's uh the only thing that I said would come up with right now while we were talking but which makes sense but when I was yeah. watching it I was like Buffy dressed like Faith question mark question mark nice <laughs> um yeah and then uh Anya is listing things that she used to do as a vengeance demon including make people fall in love with President William McKinley. <laughs> and uh, on the Buffy Wikia, it says that, um, that that's a reference to uh, Leon Kozglov, I think is his name. Uh, Zazgog, Z- I don't know how to pronounce it, it's Polish, C-Z-O-L-G-O-S-C. Um, so I, my mom's name was changed to Baron when her relatives wived at Staten Island. They were just like, we don't know how to say this. (laughs) Here's your new last name. (laughs) My background is Polish as well. Um, Which is the person who assassinated William McKinley, and I was like, oh. So then I looked up history, but I couldn't find anything about him shooting him because... He was in love with them? he was obsessed with him or anything and shot him because he was an anarchist (laughs) so I don't know if that pop culture reference is correct on wiki but maybe I just don't know enough about this dude passionate anarchist filled with conflicting feelings of (laughs) dislike for the president's politics but love for him personally (laughs) yeah um, what I did read, though, which was kind of, like, weird and sad, is that, so, he's, uh, President McKinley was, you know, at, like, a meet-and-greet type thing, and uh, this guy shoots him, and, like, as, like, he's on the ground or whatever, as the Secret Service people, like, run up to snatch him, President McKinley reportedly said, like, go easy on him, boys, he's just a kid, or something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like... And it's hard to imagine very many presidents saying something like that. That's true. <laughs> Having such intense grace after just being shot is pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, presidents in general aren't known for their humanity. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's like something that you really even wanted in president, but uh, it's kind of a cool story. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, the next scene is the big meeting, right? Oh, I mean, I have more notes from this scene. Okay. Like Anya trying to comfort Buffy when she thinks that <laughs> Buffy is feeling insecure about not being able to kill things as well as Jonathan does. Um, and <laughs> when she's like, uh, while Jonathan was graduating high school, we started in The Matrix and coach the women's soccer team how is that possible and she's like effective time management (laughs) (laughs) and uh we also get the uh what will eventually become a running gag in the show about the world with uh 
no shrimp <laughs> in the world that's only shrimp. <laughs> um, and uh, we also get uh, another pop culture references when she's like, I'm just to the part where Jonathan invented the internet, which is a reference to the misquote of Al Gore. Yeah. Who said he was part of the committee that funded the people who created the internet. <laughs> which is true. <laughs> yeah, that part's true. <laughs> And is what he said. <laughs> so. Yeah, and then they called the meeting, and the meeting is Buffy trying to explain to them that the entire world is wrong, and that uh, Jonathan is uh, something is up with Jonathan, and um, everyone thinks that she's crazy, including Riley. But Riley, even though he thinks she's crazy, is like, I think she's right even though she's crazy. And yep. I want to be in on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah, I like that misdirect because of how believably definitely he says, it sounds like nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's so hurt when he says it too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, does anyone ever think that Jonathan's too perfect? No. He's just perfect enough. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, they pull out, Buffy remembers something about the symbol, and they pull out the Jonathan calendar, which Giles has, and I wrote down, men could find other men attractive without being gay, and of course, being gay is fine. Yeah. So, That's true. there's no reason for Giles to act embarrassed about having a Jonathan calendar. Especially in this world where everyone is in love with Jonathan. Yeah. Also, the there's a later joke about that, that that Riley does at the end of the episode after the spell wears off that I was also not not crazy about. I would have a Daniel Craig in a bathing suit calendar. Yeah. He's an attractive man. <laughs> True. That part when uh he comes in Casino Royale where he comes out of the water in the blue bathing suit woke something in me that's true <laughs> I think a lot of people feel that way pretty intense moment <laughs> well a lot of people I mean I guess the younger uh, people who are attracted to cis men uh, it awoke something in but for older people for the most part it just re-underlined it like yeah. murder mystery Mike which <laughs> is just like yeah that's <laughs> what I'm into <laughs> I knew it and I love seeing it. <laughs> um, Even though it's a dumb joke, I do like the fire book joke. Yes, <laughs> I love that joke. But the part that I love about it is when Giles goes, Xander, don't speak Latin in front of the books. <laughs> I mean, I like the earlier joke where he's like, magic isn't just saying something <laughs> and then of course it is yep. Jazz is like don't be fun in front of the books I also like when Buffy is like oh uh, or Willow is like oh and then uh, and it's like yep pretty darn lickable <laughs> talking about Jonathan and she's like no the other type of oh <laughs> talking about the symbol and then uh, yeah. Jonathan shows up and um, says that uh He's fought the monster before, but unlike other monsters, it fills him with like a fog of confusion when he does. And he got the symbol tattooed on his back intentionally to <laughs> remind him of the danger. Yep. And everyone's like, yes, that explanation makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> that whole alternate reality thing was just too weird. <laughs> and then. Buffy, not particularly fooled by that explanation, is like, alright, cool, let's go kill him, the monster. And Jones is like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, they go to the, the graveyard to seek out Spike to see if he knows about the monster, and Jonathan threatens him, but uh, Spike doesn't budge. And then <laughs> Buffy threatens to cut off his butt supply because Jonathan is 
has a good relationship with the butchers in this town. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I don't even know if that's supposed to be a joke, but it's really funny to me. <laughs> like, how does one get a good relationship <laughs> with, with, the, butchers the, with the butchers? And what does that entail? <laughs> and doesn't Jonathan have a good relationship with everybody in <laughs> this world? <laughs> um... Also, there's another thing that I learned from the Buffy wiki, although it's um, definitely obvious if you're paying attention. Uh, it's another scene where uh, it's made super obvious that Spike is away into Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, uh, you know, he kind of is like, avoids saying that he wants to fight Jonathan, but, like, with Buffy, he's like, I'd like to take you on, and then, like, pushes, like, her hair out of her face or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I we know the way in which Spike would like to take her on. Right. Um, and then, while doing the research, Willow finds the symbol in the book that it's an augmentation spell that Jonathan has augmented himself. And well, goes, Buffy was right. And then and he goes, doesn't sound very likely. I <laughs> <laughs> um, also anyway. like uh, Xander's reaction that even tricking everyone into thinking he's cool is super cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> a good joke. I don't know, we've mentioned it before, but like. I'm still so impressed that, like, from the first episode that she's in, like, Anya has never not, like, knocked it out of the park. It's true. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure it's some of the writing. It must be, like, a really fun character to write as well. Sure. But, like, every line that she delivers, like, even if it's, like, not that great of a joke, is, like, consistently funny to me. <laughs> Pretty incredible. It's too bad. <laughs> she didn't really parlay that into anything else. Except for that semi-successful YouTube channel. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that semi-successful horror movie. that, And I was like, I heard that movie bombed and everybody <laughs> hated it. No, yeah. I mean, there's also that one sci-fi one timer or whatever. Yeah, that, I watched that one. Yeah. It was it's also really... not super successful. <laughs> Really gross. Could have been interesting. Do you know the premise of that? Um, I don't remember. I know that you and Shireen have told me on separate occasions <laughs> because you both watched it, but... Yeah, it's like um, you can or you cannot get a timer installed like in your body that tells you when you're going to meet the one. And then it's just like counting down. And mm-hmm. for some people, it hasn't started yet. And for some people, it has, if they have it. Like, you know, sometimes it just, like, jump starts at a certain point, I guess, when the fates start to align or whatever. Sure. Um, and then it's all about, like, what do you do about relationships? Knowing that this person that you've met is not the one. Mm-hmm. And, like, how seriously do you take it? And, like, are you invested and stuff like that? Mainly, I just don't like the male lead. I think it was, like, a big reason why I didn't like it. Like, that makes sense. Um, like, it wasn't the first thing I had seen him in. He was in Gossip Girl, too, and he played basically the same, like, skeezy artist character. Uh-huh. And that, like, who wanted to use Blake Lively's character as, like, his muse. And by that, he meant sleep with her and then never call her. Gross. <laughs> Which is, you know kind of what a muse is if you don't already know uh people of the world if an artist ever says that you're his or her muse be like that's gross yeah. <laughs> i'm not into that <laughs> uh yeah maybe i should give it a second chance emma caulfield was you know fine in it sure I saw a trailer for a movie that she produced, which I kind of wanted to see, even though it sounded like a terrible premise just because she looked really funny in it. It was, was a mockumentary where she's trying to get, like, where she's realized that she's now too old to be 
like a famous actress anymore and so she's going to devote her time and money and connections to making someone else famous but she the actress that she like supports is like someone with down syndrome or something like that and then it's just like the whole movie is like her like bugging people who worked on buffy who are still like in the industry (laughs) (laughs) trying to get chances for this person it's like I don't like I don't know if they would handle the Down syndrome thing well enough that I would enjoy it or not. Right. But the other side of it sounds really funny to me. Yeah. Of like an out of work actress <laughs> trying to like take advantage of people who are just trying to be polite even though <laughs> she's not really involved with them anymore. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then we get a fight sequence uh-huh. with the beast. Um, a complaint that I once read about this episode is that, you know, this thing, the worst of all evils, isn't really, you know, the worst. It's not particularly scary or sure. unique. It's just like a big monster thing or whatever. But that doesn't really seem like a complaint to me personally. And I feel yeah, like it never fits with me. the episode anyway. Right. I mean, it's it's the worst of all evils in the same way that Jonathan is the coolest person, which is like in kind of a goofy, dumb way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like how long the arms are. It looks super weird. It's like, <laughs> and uh, Buffy saves Jonathan from falling down the hole when he almost sacrifices himself to That's true. kill the monster. Which I guess is uh, included in there partially to make us forgive Jonathan for the the wrongdoings of this episode. Right. Yeah. I I wrote down that there must be lots of spelunking opportunities in Sunnydale (laughs) because it seems like every... There's a bunch of caves and they all also have big pits and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get a scene on campus everyone's having like a gathering slash picnic or something like that where they're having sort of a recap <laughs> of what happened mm-hmm. and it says alternate realities are neat Xander says uh, you know the thing that he'll miss the most is how he felt valued and respected sort of tingly Buffy says yes Jonathan hurt you the most and then Tara raises her hand and she's like, except for you, Tara. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Karen. And, yeah. And of course, Riley felt way too tall because in a world in which Jonathan is the coolest person, being short is awesome. Yep. <laughs> and so Riley, who's like 6'6", six, six, <laughs> felt super uncomfortable in that <laughs> world. Which uh, I think is a pretty funny joke. And I like that Xander is the one who thinks Jonathan's clothes are super cool because they, they're cool in a way that like a nerdy dude would think are super cool clothes. Like when he's doing the swing thing, wearing that like white suit with the black tie. It's very <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he's playing something off the new album. Had <laughs> to mention that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also wrote down nice costuming here when they put him in that like really bad yellow striped t-shirt with like his hair down again to like make him look so like young and like dumb looking yeah it's like almost like a dennis the menace outfit (laughs) yeah he looks like a child (laughs) it's like wandered onto campus um buffy correctly calls him out that the reason why people are angry is because they didn't want to be the puppets of mm-hmm. his hero story. He's like, you weren't socks. <laughs> Dang Strong, really good actor, in my opinion. It's true. Not so yeah. fond of him as a writer. Although Despite I like his Mockingjay Academy Part Award one. nomination. <laughs> Did he have an Academy Award nomination? I know that he has. I think he won an Emmy. Uh, yeah, I think I'm. I could be remembering wrong, but I think that the butler got nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. And I think he won for that Sarah Palin 
film. Wow, that makes sense. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Jonathan can't remember what his advice was, but he remembers that he gave her some advice and that it's true and that it's good. <laughs> and it's that uh, things that are worth doing are hard work. Yep. They're complicated. They take time and work. Have to be patient. Which I probably should have taken that part of the advice earlier this morning, but <laughs> it's fine. Uh, we can talk about that off, off podcast yeah. if you want. No, that's uh, fine. <laughs> I, I like being cryptic for the listeners. It'll be fun. No, I mean like... Oh, I see. Yeah. Whether or not... I I support you. Yeah. <laughs> and we can talk about why off podcast <laughs> if you want. Um, sure. Speaking of, that's uh, one of the last lines. Buffy and Riley are making out. And she's like, I'm glad we talked this all out. And he's like, when did we talk this out? <laughs> it's pretty she's, good. And she's like... I guess I just meant we made out a lot, and it was nice. And then she, then she says Jonathan, which is a silly final joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't super well enjoy that joke, but I enjoy it more because I feel like the reason why she says it is not some lingering magic, but as like a prank on Riley. Yeah. Which is funnier to me. Kind of a semi-petty dig. <laughs> Although it was not mentioned by name, this was the first instance of thermogenesis. What's that? Um, thermogenesis is when doing a spell actually creates a being. In this case, it was like a side effect, I guess, like a price. Oh, sure. Makes sense. It's a spell product. Uh... When Jonathan's playing the trumpet in the bronze, he is actually sinking the notes, fingering as instructed by a family member. Cool. Trumpet family. The book about the talisman that Will reads mentions Le Petit Albert, an 18th century grimoire of natural and Kabbalistic magic. Nice. When the comment scampered away like a bunny was made, Anya doesn't react. Jane Esmondson notes that it is because at this point they hadn't decided to make Anya's fear of rabbits a running gag. Mm. Although it was mentioned earlier when she dressed up as a rabbit. Yeah, that's true. International titles. In French, this was called Superstar. <laughs> In Germany, it was called Jonathan Superstar. Nice. <laughs> um, there's a prequel comic that I haven't read called Jonathan Codename Comrades. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right episode premiered on April 4th of 2000 nice it's a good uh, almost <laughs> April Fool's time to do an episode like this alright good point anything else to say nope Directed Me by neither. David Grossman. Fun last name. Uh, Alright, I hope y'all are enjoying the podcast um, and that we don't have to cast a spell to convince you that it's good. <laughs> if so, uh, please go to iTunes and write a five-star rating and review and subscribe using your podcast listening application. But, uh, 
If you thought we had anything else to say about Superstar, you were and are myth taken. Bye for now. Bye bye. Oh.